of the great things about having Jeff Diamond on the staff here is that he can explain some of the things that go on with the salary cap, behind-the-scene moves that, that are kind of difficult to grasp if you're outside that realm. So today on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, we'll get into uh, what might happen with Dalvin Cook, what the timing might be, what might happen with Daniil Hunter, and, and what's happening with the roster. We'll also reflect a little bit on Bud Grant's memorial. I'll talk about uh, what I saw at the NFL meetings, and we'll get into some NFL news. Again, this is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. If you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can always find the show at TalkNorth.com or if you follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. But the easiest thing to do is subscribe or go to the website. We do appreciate it. You can also check out the Viking Update Show. Brandon Morton is our producer. White Bear Luke Superstore is our sponsor. So, Jeff, why don't you kind of walk us through what's happening this time of the year, what might happen with Dalvin Cook, and, and just how it impacts their other decisions. Yeah, I think, Jim, one of the most frustrating situations for an NFL GM team exec is is when they have a player such as Dalvin Cook or Zadarius Smith a couple weeks ago whose salary becomes too high for their level production and and they've drafted perhaps or signed a, a free agent replacement, which the Vikings, in effect, did for Zadarius Smith with Marcus Davenport, which they did when they extended or did a new deal with Alexander Madison and, and have drafted guys like Ty Chandler the last couple of years. And so it's a, it's a frustrating situation because they invested the money. They did the extension on Dalvin a couple of years ago. And, and now he's sitting there with, with $11 million due this year and a $14 million cap number, which is too high for his level of production. His yards per carry have dropped the last couple of years and his short yardage production is really less, less than what Madison gives them. And even though they'll, they'll lose the explosiveness that Dalvin brings. And we saw that on a number of occasions in the past several years, including that screen pass for the touchdown. I think that was the Indianapolis part of the Indianapolis big comeback last year. Uh, and so they're going to miss that explosiveness, but perhaps they can get that out of Wang Wu, maybe Ty Chandler. I think Madison, not quite as fast a guy, obviously, but but a very good player. And the fact of the matter is that running backs have been devalued in the league, more or less. And for Dalvin to be projected to be the third highest paid running back in the league, it's really not at his level of production right now. So it's tough. And they're faced with a situation where they need the salary cap room in order to do some key things, which include Justin Jefferson's extension, which is probably going to cost them, I would estimate an additional, probably only a couple million dollars more on, on Justin's extension because of the fact they can give him, and this is a little caponomics as we've talked in the past, if they Justin right now has a four point one seven five million dollar cap number, if they give him say a thirty million dollar signing bonus on a five year extension, plus he's got two years remaining on his deal, they can spread the signing bonus prorated over seven years, which would be four point two eight million a year. Give him a, a low base salary, say one point five million, and and his cap number comes in at five point seven eight this year. So it's really up only less than $2 million. Um, for Daniil Hunter, for example, 
it's even a better situation cap wise if they do his extension, which they're going to have to do an extension on Daniel Hunter. Let, let's face it, he when, when they did his restructure uh, last year in order to get him into camp, and and they moved up some money from 2023 to 2022 and 2021 to get him in, into camp. And so he earned $20 million last year, which was part of his money from this year. So he's only got $5.5 million in salary and bonuses coming this year right now. There's no way he's going to play for that. And that definitely won't fly for a three-time pro bowler who's only 28 years old. And he's coming off a season where he played every game for the first time since 2019. He had 10 and a half sacks, 22 quarterback hits, 65 tackles, and he should be even better next this coming season in his second year as a 3-4 edge player outside linebacker after being that 4-3 defensive end for his first six seasons. So, But Hunter's deal is interesting. As I said, they can basically do it and not have an increase in his cap number because right now he's got $7.62 million of bonus on his contract that's not going away. He, if they give him, and he's got a, a 5.5, the 5.5 million in salary and bonuses, if they convert in a new deal, give him a $20 million signing bonus, for example, which would be in line with what some of these other guys have gotten, some of these edge rushers who have gotten big deals in the past few years. And I'm, I'm talking about guys like uh, Khalil Mack, Max Crosby. And I, and I think that Daniel should be at that level, which is about 22 to 23 and a half million a year based on his production. I don't think he should be where, for example, TJ Watt is the leading edge rusher. He's making 28 million a year. Well, he's a guy that, that is, is, at a higher level than Daniil right now in terms of production. Nick Bosa of San Francisco is probably going to get $30 million a year when his extension is done this year. And I, I think that Hunter belongs in that range with Khalil Mack, Max Crosby, behind Watt, behind where Bosa is going to be, behind, for example, the other highly paid guy is Miles Garrett of the Browns, $25 million a year. So, but as I was saying... If they give Daniil a $20 million signing bonus on a four-year extension, for example, and including this year, it spreads that bonus over five years, counts $4 million a year against the cap, reduces base salary to about one, one and a half, they essentially get the same cap number on Daniil Hunter. So, so you're asking, well, why do you have to cut Dalvin Cook? <laughs> well, the problem is, and I think people often don't understand how the cap works because right now, and you and I have talked about this before, right now only the top 51 players count against the cap. And when you get to the final cut, all 53 players count, plus any injured reserve guys, which are going to probably have four or five guys on injured reserve. So you probably need another 6 to $8 million to pay all these guys and, and be able to carry the cap and then have enough money to replace it, another player during the season who, if a player goes down. So that is going to be released after June 1st, and the Vikings will pick up about $9 million at that point in time. Yes, they're trying to trade him. We know that. But it's so difficult to trade a player when everybody in the league, all the GMs around the league, know that you're not going to keep him 
and you're probably going to have to cut him. Or if they're going to trade for him, they, they want Dalvin to, to agree to a pay cut, which he's probably not willing to do. He figures, hey, I'll, I'll hit the open market and be open to bidding from all the teams rather than agreeing to, to be traded to one team unless he thinks the deal is, is too good to pass up. And, and I'm sure that's, that's what they were trying to do before the draft with Miami. And then Miami drafts the guy in the third round, a good running back, and that killed that deal. So Dalvin's going to be released most likely after June 1st. They pick up the $9 million that they need, but they didn't necessarily need that money for J.J. or for Daniil, but they will need it for the entire roster. So that's a little caponomics, probably more than people wanted to hear, <laughs> but that's the kind of the way it works. And as I said, Jim, it's part of the frustration for a GM when you've done a deal on a player like Dalvin Cook, and he's still a good player, but he's not at the level he was. And and I'll ask you this question, Jim. What are the chances that Dalvin Cook is going to play 17 games as he did last year or 18, including the playoffs, with his injury history, with hamstrings, with shoulders, with all the things, with the knees? I don't think there's, there's much of a chance he's going to play a full season again, maybe he will, but the likelihood probably not based on his history. So I think they've got enough talent in the backfield with between Madison, Wang Wu, Chandler, and then they draft McBride, who's an interesting seventh round rookie. I think they've got enough talent to get by when essentially it's a passing oriented league and they're going to be leaning on Jefferson Addison, Osborne, and Hawkinson. Well, I appreciate you taking us into the caponomics because it gets really confusing. If you're not really in that world, you know, hear things thrown around. And it, so I, I appreciate you getting us to that level of specificity. And as you said, to pull the camera back, big picture, Dalvin is still a good back, a uh, very talented back. And he, he was, he had some really explosive plays last year in, in you know, Miami against the Colts, et cetera. But as you know, in this league, you kind of have to get rid of people before they fall completely off the table. And I think he's the kind of player who, you know, with his injury history, with his age, with his amount of uh, of of touches over the years, I just can't imagine him being healthy and productive for a full year. I could see him having a decent year, but I could almost see him being like an offensive Zadarius Smith where he's good early in the year. And then later in the year in the playoffs when you really need him, he might not have any juice left. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the way you have to look at it as a GM and, and think about how can you maximize your salary cap? How can you do the things you need to do? And yeah, they can pick up the money if they do an extension on cousins, but it sounds like that's not the route they want to go at this point in time. And they want to keep the flexibility on Kirk next year that if they decide to move on or don't think he's worth where his market value probably is at $45 million a year because of where Daniel Jones is, because of where Kyler Murray is, uh, because of Jalen Hurts and all these other deals that are out there. And the market's only going to grow when Burrow and Herbert get their extensions and then ultimately Mahomes gets his extension. And we know, we know Cousins is not in the class of some of those guys, and especially not Mahomes, but the market is saying that because quarterback salaries are escalating – and he's a good player, and he led the team to the playoffs with 13 wins last year, despite that last throw against the Giants. 
the market is saying he's he's worth more than 40 million a year. I'm just not sure that Quazy and and Kevin O'Connell think he's worth that. Right. Uh, more Viking stuff, more NFL stuff to come. Also check out the Viking Update show on this network, talknorth.com. Jeff, now tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I was excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my longtime friend, owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gattrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and you will find 0.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500 models, 2.49% APR on Buick Encore GXs, plus a $750 purchase allowance, 1.9% APR on GMC Terrains, and that $750 purchase allowance. No monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore, and they are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. So let's get into uh, a lot of stuff happening with the Vikings and the NFL this week. I went to the Bud Grant Memorial on Sunday. I thought it was really well done. Mark Rosen did a really nice job. Tom West, uh, who handles so much of the alumni stuff with the Vikings, uh, put together a really good program. I thought the fact that it was nice and casual and people just had a chance to talk about it. I, I thought it was a, a really nice memorial. Then the NFL spring meetings were in Egan on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I got to see Leslie Frazier, talk to him. I really miss having that guy around. Uh, what what jumped at, out at you about uh, the events of those few days, Jeff? Yeah, I think the Bud, the Bud tribute was, was great. Um, I, I was not able to make it, but I had been to his funeral in, in March and had, had certainly uh, – soaked it all in there and and had uh had a chance to uh to be able to visit with a lot of people at, at that funeral service and it sounded like a great event and and nice to have that public tribute and have have the fans be able to come out and hear the tributes to bud by so many people that he was close to and in, in terms of the nfl meeting I, I thought there were some some great new rule changes passed that I thought certainly in the aftermath of the 49ers having no functional quarterback in the NFC Championship in half when Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson were hurt, it was a smart move to allow teams to dress and play a third quarterback if the other two are injured. That was uh, just a travesty what happened in in, uh, in the NFC Championship in Philadelphia. The other catches on kickoffs for player safety, which is fine because if teams push a kick, down to the five-yard line, and then all of a sudden everybody's descending on the returner. If he has an opportunity to call for a fair catch and get the ball to 25, I think that's a, a good rule for player safety. Uh, I'm not a fan of the league's money-grab decision to, to flex late-season Thursday night games to Amazon Prime from Sunday games and vice versa uh, to – in effect, increase the value of the Thursday night package. I, I think it's it's a bad move, and I know it's on, only on a trial basis for 2023 and fa- faced a lot of opposition from owners like John Mara of the Giants called it abusive to fans who make plans to attend games on the road, and these flip games can occur 
during weeks 13 to 17 with one month's notice, but fans have already bought their plane tickets and plan, plan to go. And all of a sudden the game switches from Sunday to Thursday and they got to work and can't go. It's, it, I think it's a, it's a bad move on the league's part from a, a team exec standpoint and from a coach's standpoint, it also creates, I think, an inequity for teams that have to travel on a short week. I think that's always been tough in, on Thanksgiving games and a big advantage for Dallas and Detroit who have hosted those games all those years. And the Vikings last year who had the Thanksgiving night game at home against the Patriots and the Patriots had to travel on a short week. So coaches don't like that. The only advantage is you get that mini buy on the next weekend, but which is always nice during the season when you've been working all these weekends for 20 weeks. But I, I don't like that that move to be able to flip these games from, from Sunday to Thursday. No, I agree. With, I agree with you completely. I never thought there was any logic in not having a third quarterback available in some way. And uh, I hate the fact that it's just such a you – know, I wrote about it earlier this week. The NFL makes all kinds of decisions that drive me absolutely crazy, that uh, disregard the health of players, that disregard the, the convenience of fans, and they get away with it because of TV money. This is a pure TV money deal. They're screwing over the ticket-buying fan because they think they'll make more money on the TV end of it. Yeah, that's definitely true, and and we know that the television is is what drives <laughs> the financial part of the league. And even though gate receipts are, are obviously critical too, and sponsorships, but the TV money is is the the, the big the big nut in the equation. So that, that's what they did, and we'll see if it passes in the future. I think there's going to be a lot of outcry about this this year, and. Perhaps some of these Thursday games that are scheduled will be good enough that they don't have to move them to, to Sunday and move somebody else up, but you know it's going to happen. Oh, no doubt about it. And you know what? I, I say keep the Thursday games lousy. It's their tradition. That's the tradition of Thursday night football is <laughs> yeah. proving that we will watch bad football on Thursday night because it's the only game on. That's right. And it, it was always Arizona and Jacksonville or something like that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but, but now the Jags are pretty good. So. <laughs> Uh, Lewis seen looks like he's up to full speed. looks like, sounds like there's optimism around, around him. And it really sounds like, uh, what the Vikings are trying to do is build the best possible passing offense and get by in the running game and get by with good defensive coaching and versatile defensive players. It sounds like seen could be playing all over the field, just like we're used to seeing Harrison Smith do in the old days. Yeah. And I think when we talked about the salary cap earlier and talked about Dalvin Cook and and freeing up some money. One of the things that they could do with some of that freed up money from Dalvin is perhaps sign another edge rusher or another corner that I think could be valuable. You and I talked last week about Justin Houston. I think another guy who's really interesting is Leonard Floyd, who was with the Rams, was with the Bears earlier in his career, and has a connection with Kevin O'Connell from the Rams Super Bowl years. And Leonard Floyd is a very good player. Putting him in that mix with Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport and DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones, I think could really help them. Or perhaps Justin Houston, as we've talked before, had nine and a half sacks last year as a rotational pass rusher, making only three and a half million bucks, plus he had a million dollars in incentives. That would really improve, I think, this defensive football team. Or you bring in a guy like Marcus Peters, who has been a starting corner his whole career, but he made $10 million in Baltimore last year. He has not signed 
yet because no one's willing to pay him that kind of money, including the Ravens. But I, I think that the coaches should be very apprehensive about what they're doing at that cornerback situation. When you're counting on a bunch of injured guys to come back, it's, it's very dangerous. And yeah, will Andrew Booth Jr., will Caleb Evans, will Byron Murphy, will all these guys be healthy? Will some of the guys they picked up in the draft choice, Blackman, it's a lot of ifs at that corner spot. And, and so I think that's, that's a dangerous situation. But as far as the safety situation, having Lewis seen back on the field after that kind of gruesome broken leg he had in London against the Saints last year, and he's made it back now, and sounds like he has no limitations. And some people are saying he may be even more explosive, which we'll see about that. But it'll be interesting to see if they put him on kick coverage this year because that's when he got hurt last year. <clears throat> especially if, he, if his value is, is greater as a, as a potential starting safety. and But he is a, a kind of a bigger safety who they can move around and make him kind of a monster back or two. And, and so I, that's certainly a, a good sign that he's back. Uh, we'll see what happens with Booth and, and Evans and, and Murphy and all these other guys that are coming off these injuries. I, I thought it was also interesting, Jim, in terms of the early – feedback from from OTAs and as they head towards the June mini camp and by the way at that may be the first time that we see Justin Jefferson back in a Vikings uniform because I don't think he's going to be on the field and even at mini camp I don't expect him to to run any routes or do anything until that extension's done because if I'm his agent I'm saying do not do anything <laughs> until you're re-signed and Daniil Hunter's probably in the same boat that he won't be on the field, but really doesn't make that much difference. Those guys know what to do. They know the system, although Hunter, more importantly, probably needs to to know what's going on with Brian Flores' new defensive system in terms of any nuances that have changed for the outside backers, for the edge rushers. But it's still a 3-4. It's still the basic system, and I'm sure he'll pick it up in training camp once they get that extension done. But I think it was interesting – to hear Alexander Madison talk about the intensity and the aggressive approach of the Vikings defense in the 11 on 11 drills this week. And it, it definitely sounds like Flores wants his de- defensive guys to play fast and physical and, and at a high pitch from day one, which you have to say, Hey, that's a good thing. When you got had the number 31 defense last year that he's lighting a fire under those guys. Yeah, and you know, I, I really do think the more you talk to Vikings people and and people who know the team well, you know, it it feels like Kevin O'Connell's philosophy is uh, be a great passing team, uh, be be able to run the ball, but not invest too heavily in the running back position, and have Flores get the defense up to where it's competent as opposed to incompetent for much of last year, and and win and win games by outscoring people. Well, and I think that that's what. Kansas City has done to win two Super Bowls. Their defense, you wouldn't never call their defense great. They've got some great players like Chris Jones, but sort of the Vikings with Hunter, for example, and Harrison Smith when when he has been in his prime. But I think you're exactly right. I think that they are looking to have a, a great passing offense, be able to outscore people, be able to run the ball adequately. And I think that they can do that with the, with the backs that they have and mix in the screen game and mix in some other things. 
uh, some jet sweeps and so forth. And you think about a guy like Addison and, and Jefferson, those guys can run those jet sweeps. Hawkinson is, is certainly a, a big piece of the equation at, at tight end. And I think it's interesting, too, when they signed Josh Oliver, Jim, to a $7 million a year deal, it, it seemed excessive to me and to a lot of people for a player who almost exclusively was a blocking tight end in Baltimore his first four seasons, although he was one of the best in the league in that role. and But he had only 26 career receptions in four years. But then in, many, in, in OTAs this week, he runs a nice seam route for a big gain, and apparently O'Connell thinks that Oliver can be a bigger factor in the passing game too, along with his, his run blocking and pass protection. So maybe he'll turn out to be a guy worthy of that $7 million deal. That's that seemed too much at the time. Interesting. Very. And you know what, that's what you want out of the decision makers, local pro sports teams. You want them to be able to see things that the average person doesn't see, you know, whether it's the twins finding a kid in a ball to trade for, or it's a, it's Kevin O'Connell seeing a blocking tight end and thinking he can he can get more out of them. I mean, that, that's you know we all focus on the draft and free agency, but you got to find those little gems here that here and there. And I'm sure you you focused on that when you were running the Vikings. Yeah, definitely true. And and I think the, the more versatile the players are, the better. And I, I think that's what they're hoping that that Josh Oliver can bring to that that passing game as well as the run game and. And, and be and be a, a bigger factor than than their other tight ends were last year besides Hawkinson. Good stuff, Jeff. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll have more Viking stuff to talk about, more NFL stuff to go to, to talk about as the offseason progresses. Progresses. Obviously, the NFL always makes news for us, and we appreciate it. Uh, so for Jeff Diamond, for Brandon Morton, for White Bear Lake Superstore, and for TalkNorth.com, I'm Jim Suhan, and thanks to Jeff Diamond.